Hi, I'm Jim Stroud, and this is my podcast brought to you by Evergreen, home of great podcasts like Chad and Cheese, The Talent Cast, and others. Find them online at evergreenpodcast.com. Yeah, boy! Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. (laughs) 2020 is upon us, and with it, lots and lots and lots of predictions about what will happen in the new year and the next decade. But I have to wonder, what about those old predictions that people made last year, or even those predictions that were made a decade ago? Well, I did a bit of research on the views and expert opinions of how the internet was affecting society back in 2010. And for the sake of my own personal curiosity, (laughs) I will share what people thought about the internet back in 2010 and compare it with today's realities. Stay tuned for a very interesting retrospective. DuckDuckGo is a search engine just like Google, and its main focus is users' privacy. If you have ever used this search engine, you already know what it can do for you. Now, whether you are a new DuckDuckGo user who is trying to learn what all this site can do, or you are someone who has already been using the site for some time, learning some of the search tips for this famous search engine will not hurt. Go to www.jimstroud.com free to download the free ebook. 12 DuckDuckGo search tips you should know to boost productivity. Again, go to www.jimstroud.com free to download the free ebook, 12 DuckDuckGo search tips you should know to boost productivity. Do it now. You'll be glad you did. Back in June 2010, Nicholas Carr wrote a very controversial article for the Wall Street Journal called, Does the Internet Make You Dumber? <laughs> Mr. Carr cited the results from several cognitive researchers that he says presents a, quote, deeply troubling picture, quote, at least to anyone who values the depth rather than just the velocity of human thought, end quote. Mr. Carr wrote also that uh, people who read text studied with links, the studies show, comprehend less than those who read traditional linear text. People who watch busy multimedia presentations remember less than those who take in information in a more sedate and focused manner. People who are continually distracted by emails, alerts, and other messages understand less than those who are able to concentrate. And people who juggle many tasks are less creative and less productive than those who do one thing at a time, end quote. (laughs) Very, very interesting viewpoint from 2010, wouldn't you say? (laughs) Well, Nicholas Carr was interviewed by PBS News Hour back then. And back then, 2010, he had this to say. This began with a provocative article a couple of years ago titled, Is Google Making Us Stupid? Now, I wonder, did you expect the kind of backlash that that provoked? I didn't. Uh, When I wrote that article, I really saw it as a a personal essay about my own experience in in using the internet and how it was influencing the way I personally think. Um, so I was I was quite surprised about the uh, the controversy the article set off. 
But for you, this started in a very personal way, right? How, what you saw happening to your own thinking? Yeah, it was, it was back in about 2007. And I had been on, like a lot of people, had been using the internet uh, a lot for about 10 years by then. Um, and I, you know, obviously had, had received all the great benefits we get when we go online. But I noticed that I was losing my ability to concentrate. And, and I particularly noticed it when I'd sit down to, for instance, to read a book, uh, something that used to come completely natural, naturally to me. And you know, I'd get a couple of paragraphs in or a couple of pages in, and my mind wanted to behave the way it behaves when I'm online, uh, jumping from page to page, checking email, uh, clicking on links, doing Googling. Um, and so that inspired me to start think about to think about how the technologies we use in our day to day lives, like the net, can influence actually the way that we think. Now, arguing the other side at about the same time was Clay Shirky, author of this book called Cognitive Surplus: Creativity and Generosity in a Connected Age. Basically, his assertion was that the internet was making us smarter because it empowered us to do good stuff on a large scale. He gave an example of this at the Web 2.0 Expo just, just over a decade ago, and there he said this. Just to pick one example, one I'm in love with, but it's, it's tiny. You can find thousands of these things. There's a professor in Brazil, in Fortaleza, uh, Vasco Furtado, and a couple of weeks ago one of my students at, at, at NYU forwarded me this thing he'd done. It's a wiki map for crime in Brazil. So. If, you, if there's an assault, if there's a burglary, if there's a mugging, a robbery, a rape, a murder, you can go and put a pushpin on a Google map, and you can characterize the assault, and you start to see a map of where these crimes are occurring. Now, this is tacit information, right? Anybody who knows a town knows that there's a kind of sense of, don't go there, that street corner is dangerous, don't go in this neighborhood, be careful there after dark. But it's something society knows without society really knowing it, which is to say there's no source where you can take advantage of it. There is no single public source. And the cops, if they have that information, they're certainly not sharing. In fact, one of the things Furtado says in, in, starting, uh, in starting the wiki crime map was this information may or may not exist someplace in society, but it's actually easier for me to try to rebuild it from scratch than to try and get it from the authorities who might have it now. Now, maybe this will succeed or maybe it will fail, right? The normal case of social software is still failure. Most of these experiments don't pan out. But the ones that do are quite incredible, and I hope that this one succeeds, obviously. But even if it doesn't, it's illustrated the point already, which is that someone working alone with really cheap tools has a reasonable hope of carving out enough of the cognitive surplus, enough of the desire to participate, enough of the collective goodwill of his citizens to create a resource you can't, you couldn't have imagined existing five years ago. So here we are a decade later. Did the internet make us smarter or dumber? <laughs> I'll share with you some facts based on research after this. To fully understand the privacy of Facebook and how it's likely to evolve, you need to understand one thing. Facebook executives want everyone to be public. As the service evolves, executives tend to favor our open access to information, meaning information you think is private will slowly become public. But that doesn't mean you can't be private if you want to. 
Facebook gives its users the option to lock things down, but users need to be aware of their controls, how to use them, and how to prepare for the future Facebook privacy changes. Facebook has not and will not make information obvious, and that's where my special offer comes in. Go to jimstroud.com free and download the very unofficial Facebook privacy manual. That's jimstroud.com free to download your free copy of the very unofficial Facebook privacy manual. One last time, download it now at jimstroud.com free. Operators are standing by. HuffPost has an intriguing article called, This is How the Internet is Rewiring Your Brain, that was originally posted in 2013 and later updated four years later. From what I can tell, it is still spot on, and here are a few quotes from that article. Okay, fact number one, the internet may give you an addict's brain. MRI research has shown that the brains of internet users who have trouble controlling their craving to be constantly plugged in exhibit changes similar to those seen in people addicted to drugs and alcohol. A 2011 study showed that unplugging from technology for one day gave some users physical and mental withdrawal symptoms, the Telegraph reported. Fact number two, you may feel more lonely and jealous. Social media may make it easier to connect with others, but recent research by German scientists suggests that constantly viewing images of others' vacation photos, personal achievements, etc., can trigger strong feelings of envy, even sadness. Researchers have even described the phenomenon as Facebook depression. Hmm. Fact number three, Internet use may heighten suicide risk in certain teens. After conducting a review of previous research on studies on teens' internet use, researchers at the University of Oxford in England concluded that online time is linked to an increased risk of suicide and self-harm among vulnerable adolescents. Their paper was published online on August, excuse me, October 30th in the journal PLOS 1. We are not saying that all young people who go on the internet increase their risk of suicide or self-harm. One of the researchers, Dr. Paul Montgomery, professor of psychosocial intervention at the university said in a written statement, we are talking about vulnerable young people who are going online specifically to find out more about harming themselves or because they are considering suicide already. The question is whether the online content triggers a response so that they self-harm or take their own lives, and we have found that there is a link. Fact number four, memory problems may be more likely. Even a rather typical session of social media browsing can lead to information overload and make it harder to file away information in your memory, according to Dr. Eric Franson, professor of computer science at Sweden's KTH Royal Institute of Technology. A 2009 study from Stanford University suggests that the brains of people who are constantly bombarded with several streams of electronic information from instant messaging to blogs may find it difficult to pay attention and switch from one job to another efficiently. Fact number five, but it's not all bad. In moderation, the internet can actually boost brain function. 
A 2008 study suggests that the use of internet search engines can stimulate neural activation patterns and potentially enhance brain function in older adults. The study results are encouraging that emerging computerized technologies may have physiological effects and potential benefits for middle-aged and older adults, the study's principal investigator, Dr. Gary Small, professor of neuroscience and human behavior at UCLA, said in a written statement. Internet searching engages complicated brain activity which may help exercise and improve brain function. So, what are my thoughts? Well, I think the internet a decade ago and the internet today both have the potential for great good and even greater evil. Like all things, it should be used in moderation. One concern that I have now that was not mainstream a decade ago, at least not to my knowledge, is this urgent sense of privacy loss. I predict that over the next decade, there will be a massive off-the-grid movement where people build communities uh, like the Amish communities for their personal lives, and they relegate technology, or at least the more advanced technologies, to their work lives. And this will be done in an effort to regain a sense of personal privacy and a sense of humanity. I think also that there will be a movement to ban open cell phone use in restaurants and certain other public areas, pretty much the same way smoking has been banned uh, out of a lot of public areas as a health hazard. But <laughs> that's just my prediction for the next decade. Uh, what's yours? If you love what you heard, hate what you heard, or don't know what you just heard, I want to know about it. You can leave a comment concerning this podcast on my website at www.jimstroud.com. In addition to finding source material and related information for this podcast episode, you'll find other goodies that I hope will make you smile. And if you have not already, please subscribe to my website. Your continued support keeps this podcast train chugging down the track. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware. When your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.